This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111. Welcome back to Dollars and Change on Sirius XM Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Nick Ashburn. And I'm Sandy Hunt. And we are coming to you here live on Sirius XM 111. We're here every Thursday morning from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, and we are replayed throughout the week. Uh, so this has been a really interesting hodgepodge of a, of a show, but really great guests talking about social entrepreneurs and then impact investing and the growth of the field. Now we're going to go a little more corporate. A with very important topic, <laughs> coffee. Coffee. <laughs> Coffee, which I have my pumpkin spice latte, which is empty now. Thank you, Matt. Uh, I'm just kidding. I, I was like, Matt, please keep me caffeinated this morning. But um, I am empty on my pumpkin spice latte. And but we are about to speak with one of the biggest corporations or most well-known corporations, Starbucks. We're here with John Kelly, who is Senior Vice President of Global Public Affairs and Social Impact at Starbucks. You can join the conversation at one eight four four wharton That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Welcome to the show, John. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Do you need another, another pumpkin spice latte? Yeah, if you could just like can you get, make those can appear? You just shoot that over. We'll we'll, we'll definitely we'll, we'll definitely that do you. that. John, where are you joining us from? Are you up very early to talk to us? I, I am indeed. I'm out here in Seattle, and I'm in my basement of my home. Oh, th- thank you for waking up. We assume you're well caffeinated. I hope you don't hear, hope you don't hear the dogs. Oh, I hope do. we do. So. You know, you know, John, that reminds me of a viral video that went around a few years ago, like conference call in real life, where oh, yeah. you might be working from home, and like there's a dog barking in the background, and just ignore that. I usually so, bring yeah. my dog onto my like Skype conversations when I'm working from home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice addition. So, so thanks so much, John, for joining us so early on your end. So, I guess we'll just start pretty, you know, pretty early, and and let's let's talk about your background and you know what what is your role at Starbucks. Well, thank you, and again, I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, my role, I, I truly have one of the best jobs in the world, where where I get to both work with our more than three hundred thousand partners, uh, our our employees, we call them partners around the world in seventy five countries at more than twenty six thousand locations. Um, and and finding ways for them uh, to use our scale for good and to um, to use the Starbucks brand and more than 40 years of social impact work. Um, and my team here in Seattle um, helps to try to um, continue to support that work going on around the world and continue to do things for our partners and our customers um, that they that they want to do uh, with Starbucks, uh, whether whether it's sharing our food whether it's hiring initiatives or uh, sustainable practices. Um, it's, uh, it's been more than 40 years since Starbucks started doing this work, and my team has, uh, it has a role in it here at our headquarters. Yeah, and, and let's, let's dive in a little bit to think about, you just mentioned your sustainability practices, you talked about employment and other things. You know, in your role, like where do you think about what's the best use or how can how Starbucks can have a social impact? I know we get callers on this show that think about like, hey, I have a business. It could be across a lot of different industries. It could be early stage. It could be really established. And they're sort of like, how do how do I start thinking about this? How do you think about it at Starbucks? Well, we ask ourselves a question, and it's a question that our, our founder, Howard Schultz, posed to us several years ago. And it's a whether you're conservative or liberal or progressive or libertarian, the, the, the question is, is a powerful one 
and, and it is, what is the role and responsibility of a for-profit company? And I know your show talks a lot about that, and, but that is the question that really begins most of our conversations. Um, how do we at Starbucks use our success and our scale to try to have a positive social impact? Um, we simply don't believe that all problems need to be solved by government, um, that corporations um, have both an obligation and an opportunity uh, to, to make positive social change. The first filter that we, that we use when we're asking ourselves how we decide which issues to take on and which projects to take on is our partners. It's our, it's our baristas because they're the ones who are greeting 90 million customers a week. They're the ones who know. Uh, 90 million a week? 90 million. We have 90 million customers a week. Wow. From every walk of life. And their concerns are, are diverse. They have a lot of different backgrounds. And, and so we want to make sure that, um, we're responsive and that they know that we're responsible and they have high expectations of us, but it really starts with our partners, our baristas. Yeah. And, you know, when you think of a company like Starbucks and social impact, you think, you know, I always think of the Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility because when you're marshalling the resources of 90 million customer interactions or 30,000 jobs, there's just huge responsibility. So in addition to you saying you have one of the best jobs in the world, John, I suspect you also have one of the more difficult in many ways. How do you marshal the resources of Starbucks and the power for social impact? You have a number of different initiatives that we'd love to talk about, the Opportunity Youth Fair. You have your employment practices, including healthcare and college access. There's nutrition when it comes to Starbucks. How do you make the, the sort of strategic decisions on where and how to have to be making an impact and where to be, um, you know, investing these resources? Well, it's a, it's a really good question. I can tell you that it's a, it's a constant struggle to pick and choose which big cause we take on because what we do, whatever we do, we need to try to scale. Um, that's our opportunity and that's how we differentiate is because of that, that presence in 75 countries, yep. you know, more than 14,000 locations just in the United States. So when, when we do something, we want to be able to do something big and, and that's go a, everywhere. And that's a big strategic decision, right? Because that basically yes. says we aren't giving, and this isn't a bad thing, but we're not giving the local branches agency to say, hey, you know, in you know, Philadelphia, Starbucks is going to do X in the community, but in South Jersey, it's going to do Y. So it sounds like what you, want to, what you do, you want to scale and have a consistency to. Well, yes and no. We, we try to find a balance. I mean, we, okay. we want our stores to have all the flexibility in the world to do that which is most relevant and where those local partners are most passionate. And so in, okay. some, in some communities, they're going to want to work uh, as mentors with Opportunity Youth. In other communities, they're going to want to uh, do tree planting. So what our job is is to enable whatever those passions are for our partners to have the social impact that they want. So we try to both uh, focus globally, but we try to enable locally so, <clears throat> so we can be as relevant and impactful as possible. But yes, saying, saying no is the hardest part of the job because <clears throat> excuse me, we're constantly asked uh, to do more and more things for our communities and great ideas. <clears throat> but unless we scale uh, and can bring it to a broader audience, 
Um, that's our opportunity at Starbucks. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Actually, we are speaking with John Kelly, who is Senior Vice President of Global Public Affairs and Social Impact at Starbucks. If you have a question around how to incorporate social impact with your company, give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. So, John, you're talking about, um, you know, how you make the decision to select areas of impact. Maybe can you tell us the story of one of these initiatives there's a good list to pick from at Starbucks, one of these social impact initiatives, and talk about you know why it launched, why you felt it was important for Starbucks, and how you measure its success. Sure. So, so much of this is just trying to do the best job we can and listening to our people. And one of the things we learned a couple of years ago, one of the top concerns for our partners was college debt. And so, like so many millions of Americans, these young people are caught in a cycle where they've started college, but something, you know, life has intervened, mm-hmm. and they have debt, and they're not able to finish, and they're stuck. And so they, they told us loud and clear the number one concern they have is finishing a college degree. That turned into a, um, a multi-year effort to try to figure out how do we, how do we make college affordable to our, our baristas in the United States. Uh, who want to complete a college degree. And we came up with a very innovative partnership with Arizona State University, an online partnership where um, after two years we have more than 8,000 baristas who are enrolled at ASU, and they are on their way to a four-year college degree. More than 50 majors are available. It's all online. And um, here's the catch. There's no catch. It's entirely paid for. And after they graduate from ASU, um, they don't have any obligation to work at Starbucks. There's no college debt. And this year alone, we have more than 1,000. There'll be more than 1,000 graduates from ASU who are Starbucks partners. Congratulations. So a, oh, it's really exciting. And it's, you know, so it's also working for us as a business. These baristas are now coming to Starbucks. Our partners are coming to, we're attracting talent and keeping talent um, and helping people achieve their dream of a, of a college degree in a, in a way that's affordable. And that's, we think it's a model for others as well. That's wonderful. And yeah, certainly we hope we hope it's a model. Talk to us about the business case of that decision. So someone's with you as a barista for two years, then they can begin to access this tuition benefit, if you will. Do you know, how do you see them performing at work? And after they graduate, do they try to stay and get a, you know, managerial or corporate job with Starbucks? What do you see as the sort of human capital return? And John, right, just quickly before you answer that, I wanted to like sort of give some context to that because we've talked to Shannon Schuyler at PwC, who's Mm -hmm. their corporate responsibility person. And they, she really has quantified the business case for the attraction and retention of talent. And so I was wondering, sort of building on Sandy's, uh, her question, you know, the business case and, and how are you tracking the success there? Sure. I mean, at, at Starbucks, we obviously have to um, quantify things as well, but it's not the first lens that we look through. We, we really, we, it's a different kind of culture where we are trying to do the right thing for our people and we know that it feeds their expectations. <clears throat> that will make our business successful. And, and I think we've proven that over 40 years, uh, whether it's offering health insurance in 1987. Uh, stock um, all the 20 hours a week. So these are very comprehensive benefits, and that and the ASU college degree is yet another innovative benefit that is um, 
you know, you, the, the math probably isn't, uh, if we just did the math on it, we probably wouldn't get very far mm-hmm. because it's a very expensive big bet. Sure. But what, we're, but what we're finding, and we're still very early in this, but what we're finding is an incredible story, which is higher retention rates and, more importantly, higher promotion rates of those baristas who are enrolled in ASU. That's great. That's, that's something that's really powerful and obviously very good for business. Yeah, and it's, it's wonderful that you guys are taking such a thoughtful lens to learning throughout the process and sort of capturing and measuring. I was even impressed here when you said it was a multi-year effort to figure out what to do to solve the problem. I love that Starbucks didn't just go, oh, apparently this is a problem in this country. We'll slap together a scholarship program and get it out in a press release in 90 days. You know, you really took the time to figure out a thoughtful program um, that was going to have transformative change. And by telling the story and capturing the data, hopefully it proves to be a business case that you've de-risked this you know, innovation for other companies to take it on as well. That's cer- we, we certainly really what we hope. A model for, we really think it's a model for others, and we're, we're constantly talking to other companies about how we're doing this in hopes that they can do the same thing for their, for their partners, because this, this is a good example of a national problem, a social problem that companies can do this. And, you know, we're not going to Washington, D.C. and saying, you solve college debt. We're going to Washington, D.C. to say, here's how we're addressing college debt for literally thousands of young people. That's great. Can we nerd out about org charts for a second? <laughs> so uh-huh. I'm curious. I'm always fascinated when we talk to folks in um, what we'll call broadly the corporate social responsibility or business for good at corporate work, you know, how how your shop, how global public affairs and social impact sits within that leadership organization at Starbucks. And I asked for a couple of reasons. You know, one, I think it's very interesting when it comes to the decision-making process and the integration of your goals to Starbucks' broader goals. But I also asked because it's a question our students often come to us with is, hey, I'm applying for a job, I'm passionate about social impact, but realistically, I need to be you know, paying down my student loans, and I'm going to be going into the for-profit, you know, big business world. But how do I tell if a business really cares about social impact? And we often tell them to sort of look at where it sits in their leadership. So tell us, tell us what that looks like at Starbucks. Well, I'll tell you, the answer is, is both simple and, and, and difficult, which is at the end of the day, it is about leadership. If the CEO, if the leader of the company is not a believer in social impact and what you're trying to do and is not believing it for the right reasons, you're probably not going to be particularly successful. And I have found that in my own career working for different companies, but I can tell you that at Starbucks, this has been a part of the DNA of Starbucks from the very beginning. I mean, Howard Schultz was an opportunity youth. He, he knows what it's like to struggle as a young person. Um, you know, he's worked with coffee farmers, so he, this, the work on sustainability has been something um, that has been in part of our culture from the very beginning. But my strong recommendation to your listeners and others who are looking at companies is make sure that that leader of that company is all in. If not, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle, and it's, it's, uh, that's the, always going to be the challenge. And how do you tell from the outside looking in if they are, right? Because it's plenty sexy and cool now to have, you know, to talk a big game about social impact. But if you're, you know... If, if you're you looking at Starbucks, considering this job opportunity that you took, if you're a student graduating looking at companies, how do you kick the tires on the authenticity of the social impact passion from that leadership? Really good question. I'm not sure I have a, the best answer for it. I just know that what works for us is it's ingrained in our leadership, and everybody who comes into our company understands that we are trying to do something bigger than just sell coffee. 
Um, it is it is uh, it is a part of um, our work and it's a part of our culture. Um, and I think every company has to find their own way, their own role and responsibility. Um, and I think you can. I think people can generally tell if you know a, a blog or a podcast has been drafted by um, a comms person and is sort of crafted for a CEO, or whether that CEO actually um, believes from the heart uh, the social impact that they're trying to attain. Um, it's, I think it's pretty easy to tell, um, and I'll. I'll bet most people are looking for authenticity um, and can figure that out as well. And so let's talk about another initiative. You, you mentioned sustainability. What does Starbucks do in, in that realm? Because that has a clear implication for the bottom line as well as the, the social impact or environmental impact of the business. Absolutely. Of all the things that we do on our social impact agenda, um, it begins with coffee. If we don't get coffee right Everything else we do, frankly, you know, is, is at risk because at the end of the day, we have an obligation. We're, it's an agricultural product that we are ultimately dealing with. Um, we have to make sure that we get that right. And so our partners, our baristas, expect us to serve ethically sourced coffee. And it has taken us 20 years with Conservation International to develop um, to get to that point of 99% ethically sourced coffee. This is sort of the, the foundational piece of our social impact work. Um, and our, our aspiration after achieving this milestone last year, after 20 years of effort, um, we actually think coffee can be the world's first sustainable agricultural product. And so we went to Paris during the Climate Accords and started a coalition of more than 50 companies um, to try to do this over the next 10 years. And we think it's entirely possible. It's a crazy big idea, but we've actually shown how to do 99% ethically sourced coffee and we think the, the rest of the coffee industry can do the same. The second piece of sustainability has to do with our stores. Uh, we're the world's largest uh, green builder of LEED certified stores, more than 1,200. Wow. And, I didn't know and that. that. That's not something we typically advertise, it's, but it's a good example where when you bring something like that to scale, it's actually quite economic. So you save in utilities, you save in construction uh, costs, and now every store that we're building is going to be LEED certified. So it's, um, we're demonstrating that building green and operating in a green way is actually good for business. It's not a tax. It's not an extra cost. It's actually just smart as well. You're listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio powered by the Wharton School, and we're talking with John Kelly, Senior Vice President, Global Public Affairs and Social Impact at Starbucks, which is obviously a great conversation for Dollars and Change. Um, and we were just talking about sustainability practices at Starbucks with you, John. And I wanted to ask you around... I, do you ever get calls from your investor relations group at Starbucks and being like, oh, we have analysts talking, asking about these questions, you know, how this is affecting, you know, this decision, X, Y, and Z. There's a social impact angle, environmental angle. Are you getting, are you seeing an increase in those conversations or any conversations at all? I would say it's a, it's a constant uh, inquiry. I mean, the good news is our CFO, Scott Ma, is literally down the hall, and he's a critical partner in all of our social impact work. Uh, which sort of relates to your earlier question, how can you tell it, whether a company is sincere or the leadership is sincere? Having the finance and investor team there with you to do the math um, is really critically important. And I can tell you that while the things that we do, we do them through the lens of humanity, they also are through performance-driven. In other words, we, we can show all of our big social impact initiatives are, are actually good for business. And, and that's whether they're a sustainable um, practice 
or whether it's a hiring initiative that creates better retention and promotion rates, or whether it's community service and sharing our food, we can show uh, with the work through our IR teams um, that the math actually works. And it's not the reason to do it, but we have an obligation, uh, like any corporation, to be responsible with our resources. So we actually work very hard to make sure that it works over time. We actually take some big risks, like the College Achievement Plan. Um, that's a really big investment, but um, we're starting to see those pay off as well. So, yes, that, that's an important partnership. Um, the IR people are constantly asking, um, but they're as enthusiastic as anyone. In fact, they started a sustainable bond, believe it or not, um, where, where people are now buying Star Starbucks sustainable bonds uh, because they believe in our sustainable practices. Wow, that's very interesting. And, and you know, this is something that we do see in really big corporate America. You know, the, the pharma industry, I know, is yeah. getting more inquiries, you know, across their investor relations and corporate responsibility or social impact folks. So I just wanted to see how that works at Starbucks, and it sounds very integrated. It's very much so. In, in fact, they're, they're great partners all the way around, whether it's purchasing green energy or actually investing in actual green energy to power our manufacturing facilities um, the, the IR team is right there with us. That's a really important element of our success. And so let's move on to one that's really, that's just coming up, I think, in just a couple of days, the, the right, Opportunity Wednesday. Youth Fair. What, what's going on there? So this is one of the initiatives that we're most proud of. Uh, this started two and a half years ago. We looked at the population of more than 5 million Opportunity Youth in the country. And opportunity youth are defined as 16 to 24-year-olds who are out of school, out of work, and at risk. And they have largely been viewed corporate America as someone else's problem, the government's problem, or unhirable. These are millions of young people who have been told for most of their lives that they're not job-ready, they don't have the right skills, that nobody wants to hire yeah, them. And this is 5 million, right, five individuals million. in the, this country right now. Yeah, all over the country. And... Um, we simply believe that that has to change. And we set out in, in Chicago two and a half years ago and built a coalition called 100,000 Opportunities with the aspiration um, with more than 50 companies to hire 100,000 Opportunity Youth over a three-year period. Um, it has, we've, what we've done is create a very different way of looking at this population um, and try to change the model of sort of career fairs. Instead, we went to Chicago, we went to Dallas, Phoenix, Seattle, and L.A., and on Wednesday we're going to Washington, D.C. And when we go, we're not going with sort of, uh, here's some career coaching, here's some uh, things to think about. We're literally going with thousands of jobs. In Washington, D.C., we have more than 3,500 young people who are registered to attend, and they're not, they go typically um, expecting sort of career counseling, that kind of thing. What they don't quite realize is that they're actually going to walk away with jobs. That's and incredible. It is, it is one of the most amazing experiences that I've ever had is you go to this fair, and a lot of these guys, they've, again, they've been sort of beaten down. They've been told that nobody wants them. And they walk in. They get some coaching. They, help, they get help with a resume. Uh, they, they do some mock interviews. Uh, they'll even, we'll even give them a suit and a tie. Uh, if they have some makeup or hair that they need to get done, some of the corporations who are part of this will help them um, with their first job interview. And then they walk out of their job interview, and it's a real deal. We have jobs 
ready to go. And That's so incredible. Has Sandy, that actually that actually reminds me of, you know, that you've talked about this and this is why I'm going to bring it up. So Penn, you know, Penn has done a really good job of attracting actually diverse candidates and students from different socioeconomic backgrounds. Mm-hmm. A lot also of first gen. A lot of first generation college students. And so, you know, but we also have a program where like, there's a lot of on-campus recruiting, right? Mm-hmm. And you need a suit. You mm-hmm. need the whatever. Yep. And a lot of students may not have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. and so I'm reminded of a program that we do have here at Penn. And you, Sandy, you've talked about it before. So I was struck by that when, when yeah. you said that. Yep, exactly. It's sort of an opportunity for people to you know bring in professional dress and to help coach individuals who might not have a parent who had to dress like this for work might not have the familiarity. And I think, you know, John, to your point there, you mentioned hair and makeup. I don't, I don't think we do that here at Penn. But it is, it, you know, it's a matter of that sort of dressing for the job you want and stepping into this new level of agency and optimism. And um, and I just love, so this is all turnkey. So someone walks in somewhere, John, in D.C., and they get all the support and they walk out with a Starbucks job. And like, I don't want to diminish this, but it reminds me of my Oprah comment everywhere or earlier this morning, like, everyone gets a job. <laughs> <laughs> you get a job and you get a job. But this could be yeah. their experience. They could wake up on September 20th and go and get the resume updated and get outfitted in a suit and have an interview and have a job the next day. Or yeah, it, Precisely. And, wow. and to be clear, this is not charity, right? I mean, these are real these are jobs, jobs that are needed. These are openings of employers Fantastic. who are looking for young talent. But these employers are, are not waiting for uh, people to come to them. They're not waiting for governments. They are, they are going into that community, going where they are, and they're saying, we want you. We value you. We even, we even symbolically, we welcome them with a red carpet. So oh, they cool. Know they know that they're very, very important to us, and we believe that you know, we believe in their potential, and we've actually demonstrated that. Just like our college achievement plan, we can show that opportunity youth define all the odds out there, all the expectations, all the stereotypes, the opportunity youth that we're hiring um, are promoted at a higher rate and the retention is at a higher rate than average. And that is, that is, you know, that's a game changer. That is a game changer. Like just to make sure we emphasize that point enough. So you're, you're working with the, you know, some, some portion of the 5 million 16 to 24 year olds who are not working. They're not in school. That means they didn't go to college or they dropped out of high school or college. And you're saying that you hire this, this segment of the population and they are getting promoted at faster rates. They're higher performing. That's correct. That's incredible. And, and, you know, we're, we still have a lot to learn and a lot to study, but the, the, the results after two years, we, we set out to hire 10,000 over a three-year period. We hired 40,000 in that same period. Amazing. This was so successful. They're getting it done. Our That's store great. managers are seeing these young people, and these young people, if given a chance, they will perform because oh. they, they want the benefits, they want the opportunity, they want to go to college. And so we're, we and other employers are trying to take a comprehensive approach and, you know, once they see the opportunity, these young people will take it. And that's, that's really the, the mentality that we're trying to change among corporate leaders. We're working with another, a number of foundations, including the Schultz Family Foundation, uh, the Walmart Foundation, and others, too, um, and Rockefeller, who are all a part of this coalition, to really change the mentality of corporate America wow. around this $5 million, um, population of opportunity youth. Yeah, and it's refreshing, you know, in this day and age to hear someone saying, we're going to Washington, not with an ask, not with a, you know, a list of grievances, not with a list of pain points, saying, you know, here's a solution. 
you know, and it's yeah. and it's working and others should follow us. And so, you know, we we tip our hats to you guys for, for what we'd call de-risking the space, right? This was a risk. These employees could have turned over. You could have said, holy cow, you know, this demographic isn't showing up to work or, um, you know, they're not performing well on the job. But you now have data that says they do a great job and you can share that data with other employers who now don't need to feel like they're taking a risk. Now they've got evidence that this is a great workforce and a great decision for them. Exactly. And we've we've been able to do the same thing with our veterans and military spouse hiring initiative as well as our recent refugee hiring initiative. Wow. Military spouse hiring must be a – because, I mean, you guys have 26,000 stores in 75 countries. What a cool opportunity for military families who have to move. Uh, No question about it. I mean, it has been transformative. We were late to the military hiring initiative. Uh, We started it three years ago with the aspiration of hiring 10,000 over five years. It was so successful that we actually met that goal in in just over three years. We had to expand our goal. Now we're going after 25,000 because like these other populations, we're seeing retention rates and hiring rates and that our businesses are performing, our military family stores are performing. Wow. And there again, you know, if, if Starbucks can, can become military friendly, um, and again, this is not sure, we, we are hiring military veterans and spouses because they make us a better company, just like Opportunity Youth, just like refugees, because these are undervalued populations um, from which we are getting tremendous value because they are great for business. And so, John, uh, it's funny because I, I could see Sandy's face light up. I don't know if our listeners were able to tell that from her voice, her excitement and enthusiasm. It's just a win-win. There's nothing not to love about these business models. Exactly. I am lighting up. And so, so John, in the, our final couple of minutes here, um, I have a sort of two-pronged question. One is, you know, what's next? You know, what's next? But also, are there any sort of big, hairy, audacious questions, you know, pain points that, you know, you're hearing and, and the company wants to, wants to tackle? Well, we, we have, um, again, the, the, the opportunity of being in so many locations and having 90 million people come through our doors. We are, we are constantly trying to find ways um, and, and listening to our, our partners. And so we're looking at, um, while again, trying to focus on what can we scale. We think, um, you know, culturally, this third place, Starbucks has become this third place where so many people are. Are, are using our stores to, for job interviews, for conversations, uh, for education. Um, and frankly, we're running out of sort of civil places uh, for discussions. And um, we think more and more there's an opportunity and a desire um, to, to have a place that's welcoming where people can come in, talk about issues, um, and solve community problems. So we really see this, this Starbucks store more and more as kind of your – the modern town hall where everybody is welcome um, and there's an expectation of civility. Um, and so we're looking at different ways of trying to use that as a platform um, where people can, can come in and, and talk about what's going on in their community. To that end, we've, done, um, we've started a program called Coffee with Cops, um, and we started this in February. We've done more than 100 of them across the country, and again, very driven by our store managers and our partners but with an effort to try to bring communities together, particularly where there's some tension between law enforcement um, and citizens, we're, we're using that third place to encourage people to come in and get to know one another. And that, again, has been transformative um, and seen that third place uh, in, a, in a way that nobody ever imagined. So we're trying to think of things where, like Coffee with Cops, um, where we can do that at scale. 
Wow. And we're always open to suggestions as well. So I hope your listeners are, you know, won't hesitate to let us know if they if they have ideas. Um, we're all, we're always open to ideas yes. and suggestions. John, if you stay listening, the next thirty minutes is an open segment. So listeners, if you have ideas, you can call in. That's absolutely right. Share them with right. us live. And, and I'll, maybe Sandy and I will brainstorm a little bit and, sure. and, and shoot you a note. But, John, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation learning about Starbucks and their social impact initiatives. Um, we've been speaking with John Kelly, who is the Senior Vice President for Global Public Affairs and Social Impact at Starbucks. Um, we are going to take a short break, but stick with us. You got Sandy and me. This is Dollars and Change on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.